The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. and personal with some of your favorite female porn stars on In Bed with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, In Bed showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular female performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to In Bed with Poppy Chulo. Today is Wednesday, May 6th. 2015. Listeners, please welcome our special guest, political scandal expert and occasional porn star, the star of Vivid Celebs, Wiener and Me, Sydney Leathers. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Yay! I'll clap for myself. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You're welcome. I'm really excited to get the chance to interview you as well. We've done many interviews at the past two years at Exotica South Florida, but now I have Sydney Leathers all to myself. Yes. Every man's dream, right? Exactly. <laughs> or nightmare if you're a politician, right? <laughs> yes, and we'll be talking all about that, which I'm really excited about. So let's jump into the interview, and I typically like to start off by stepping into the boudoir and getting some physical stats out the way. How okay. old are you? I'm 25. What's your height and weight? I'm 5'6". Right now I'd say I'm probably about 130. What are your measurements? Uh, I think I'm like 34... 25, 34, something like that. I'd have to, I haven't been measured in a while, honestly, and I've lost a little bit of weight, so yay for that. What's your ethnic background? Um, my, I'm mostly Greek. My mom's uh, mother, my maternal grandmother was Greek, so she actually immigrated from Greece. And what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Libra, but I don't really follow all that nonsense either, so... Sounds good. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning, and let's get to know the woman behind uh, the performances as well as behind the scandal. Where are you originally from? Um, see, that's complicated, too, because I have divorced parents. Aww. Um, my Aww. dad is from Indiana. My mom's from Illinois. So I grew up going to school in Illinois, but I live in Indiana now and spent a lot of time here as a kid. So kind of back and forth between the two states. What was life like growing up for you? What was Sydney Leathers like as a child, as a teenager? Uh, I was definitely someone who kind of searched for trouble a little bit um, from a really small town. And I don't know, I was just a little bit of a rebel. I kind of started to drink early and was into boys very young and would dye my hair weird colors. <laughs> I was just kind of a crazy kid. My poor dad. Aww. Can you share with the listeners what your life was like before you entered uh, sort of like the pop culture lexicon uh, with the Anthony Weiner scandal? What was going on with your life prior to then? Um, my life was very boring and normal. You know, I, I, people often think because I was in the political scandals, it just I'm just attracted to those kinds of men, but I'm probably, you know, stupid and don't know anything about politics. But in reality, that's actually one of my biggest passions. So I was really into politics. Um, I was working at a law firm. 
I was doing some paralegal studies as well, trying to be like officially certified doing that. I thought eventually I would go to law school. So yeah, very nerdy and different than people would expect, I would say. Very introverted. Yeah, you were a bit of a political wonk. I mean, I would still yeah. say you probably still are. I definitely am, and it really surprises people. They, and I think it makes people a little mad, too. Some guys don't really know what to do with a woman who actually has opinions. So, yeah, I get some hate for that. People get a little pissed, but I honestly don't care because I'm definitely entitled to my opinions, especially when they're valid. I like the sound of that. So... Take us into uh, what was going on just prior to your first contact with Anthony Weiner, because obviously you, as a political wonk, as someone that's following politics, you had heard of his initial scandal. Yeah, I had heard about the first scandal. Um, prior to his first scandal, I had been a big fan of his, a big supporter of his. Um, I consider myself to be very, very liberal. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was this outspoken, passionate liberal. Um, I was impressed by him because I didn't think he was as cowardly as some liberals can be. I liked that he was kind of a fighter, you know, and you'd see him on Fox News kind of talking shit to people. I thought that was really cool. I liked that. Um, but then, you know, when you start to, like, look underneath the surface and you realize he didn't, you know, propose any kind of legislation at all. You know, he really wasn't doing the actual work behind it. There's a difference between just being a mouthpiece and having a big mouth and actually doing the work. So once you kind of get to know that the politician that you're into, you know, is, I guess, lazy. I don't, I don't know what other word to use for it and kind of an attention whore. It's, it's disappointing for sure. So his scandal ended up happening, the first one, yes. and sometime after that, you started to receive uh, messages from someone uh, who turned out to be Anthony Weiner, and was, was the message initially on Twitter? Um, the weird thing is, I knew it was Anthony from the beginning because uh, we were he was Facebook messaging me and we okay. were using our actual Facebook accounts. Uh, and if you look at that account, it's linked to his wife's account. You know, it's, it's very clearly him. So, yeah, it, it was his Facebook account where we started to talk initially. And then when he uh, got to the point where he wanted to send dick pics, that's when he made up the Carlos Danger thing that everybody heard about. Yes. So he had his little Carlos Danger email to, you know, send his dick pics he didn't want to send through Facebook. Okay. And so you guys sexted for... I would say roughly over, at least over eight months, correct? Yeah, yeah, almost a year, a long time, definitely. Longer than I think I've ever sexted anyone, especially sexting without meeting. <laughs> so, yeah. Had you guys taken the conversation to the phone, or was it strictly on the web? Um, we actually did have phone calls. Um, it was one of those situations where I never had his number, but he had my number, and he would block the call, so I didn't have his number. You know, he was kind of trying to cover his tracks, but obviously he didn't on Facebook, so that was his big slip-up. Um, but yeah, he did call me, and we had phone sex. That would happen pretty regularly. How dirty did you guys get? Um, I would say he's kind of boring. I guess at the time I maybe thought it was interesting and hot because of who he was, but other than having a bit of like a heel fetish, I wouldn't say it was anything that crazy, you know, just kind of a guy who wanted attention and clearly wasn't getting it from his wife, you know, is kind of my feeling. So then everything erupts. Um, well, that was, that's an interesting choice of words, but, um, <laughs> Everything, as far as the scandal, this scandal ended up uh, coming into the public's consciousness, and people started to report on it, and then your name leaked to the press. 
were you uh, surprised? Were you freaking out? Like, what happened when you started to get attached to this? When your name actually came out into the public eye and it was being reported all over the place? Yeah, that was something that I really struggled with in the beginning because I was a naive 23-year-old girl. You know, I thought, okay, if I give this information to a gossip blog, and you know talk to the guy that runs it personally and they're not running my name you know and just using this information I'll be safe I'll be fine I was honestly that naive that I thought I had some kind of protection so for a second I was anonymous and I was hopeful and thought everything would just kind of blow over and it would be fine you know but that's not what happened I honestly don't even know how BuzzFeed found out who I am that's something that I still am not sure I don't know if someone told them or if you know I honestly have no idea how it happened but um, I was on Facebook and someone sent me the link to the article with them outing me and it was a complete stranger no one I've met no one I had mutual friends with on Facebook and he said you're going to be very famous and my jaw dropped I was shocked I was pissed I felt stupid, you know, for leaking the information myself and honestly thinking that, you know, I wouldn't be attached to it somehow. So yeah, it was a lot of different emotions. I was completely overwhelmed. Almost immediately, the press found out where I lived and were basically camping outside my apartment complex. So yeah, it's kind of the worst thing you could imagine, basically. Now, you don't have to go into details. I'm sure you might not be able to go into details, but... I'm kind of curious to ask, and I'm sure some of our listeners might be curious to know, were you at all financially compensated for any of the information that you provided initially, but, you know, sort of leaking when you were being anonymous? When I was being anonymous, I was not being paid anything, not a dime. That wasn't, it wasn't about money for me. I was definitely broke at the time, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was working at a law firm, but doing like administrative work. Um, but it had nothing to do with money in the beginning. When I saw that he was number one in the polls and people were asking him about his past behavior and he was saying things like that he was this changed man and I knew otherwise and it really kind of pissed me off. I just thought he was a fraud, to be honest. Have you ever met Anthony Weiner face-to-face since this uh, second scandal, the one that you're involved in, came into the public consciousness? I haven't, no. Um, the only time I've even sort of been around Anthony, uh, well, one time I he, I knew he was going to be at his campaign headquarters at a certain time, so I kind of went down there like a psycho, which I am, I love it. So I go down there and just kind of park my ass right in front of it, and he literally rescheduled his entire day to just not be seen with me, which was so funny. And then later that night, he was having a victory party, even mm-hmm. though everyone knew he was going to lose the primary. Uh, But, you know, it's politics, so we can't call it what it is. We're going to call it a victory party. So I just crashed it. I thought it was hilarious. I basically kept him from his own party because he didn't want to walk past me to get in the front door. So I thought that was pretty epic. (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah, I remember seeing the pictures of that. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Oh, Sydney. (laughs) One of my finest moments. (laughs) But it's still, it's it's just classic. I, I love it. I love that you had the balls to do that. Yeah, seriously. Like, I have balls the size of Manhattan. (laughs) Well, obviously. Okay, so all of this is going on, and now the public is talking about you, and people are starting to tweet about you and all that kind of thing. What was it like being talked about publicly in um, 
and I would say it wasn't necessarily as bad as like Monica Lewinsky. You know, Monica Lewinsky went through it like hard in the media. But obviously, you're attached to this scandal, and your name is popping up, and people are mentioning you as kind of like you know the reason why this is happening. What was uh, your sort of take on uh, the media and also just regular average Joe people, you know, talking about you? I mean, it, it's an adjustment for sure. In the beginning, um, I was very overwhelmed by it, but I was good about, you know, only reading interview, like an article where I was mentioned if I participated in it, you know, because then I had some idea of where it was going. But if I don't have, I've never had a Google alert set for myself. So, you know, I'm not just reading every article that my name's mentioned, and I think that would be very unhealthy for me. Um, and I also, I don't read the comments on anything because I think that is very unhealthy. People on the internet are crazy sometimes. Um, you know, I think you just have to have a thick skin if you're going to be involved in the media in any way, I think, especially in my case. It's so easy, you know, to kind of berate and slut shame a woman for behavior that you wouldn't necessarily be mad at a man about, you know. So that's a little bit of my frustration, but... I think I kind of handled it like a champ, you know, I don't really get my feelings hurt easily. I think the only thing that bothered me, like there were a few times where like one time Jay Leno called me like a dumb hoe or something like that and my dad got really upset and called me crying and that really, it didn't bother me that Jay Leno called me that, it bothered me that Jay Leno made my dad cry, you know? <laughs> so. Um, it, it's more so something that you just have to get adjusted to and I, I kind of just had to tell my dad the same thing, you know, don't worry about it. In a weird way, it's good that they're talking about me, even if they're saying bad things, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that, uh, you know, these individuals get, individuals that get thrust into the spotlight have families. So how did this affect your family, especially in the, in the initial stages? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I think it was, like, surprising for everybody, but I always put it this way, you know, my family that I was close with prior to it happening, still close with everybody, nothing's changed, they think I'm still the same person because I am, you know, we're still close, and anyone that didn't like me beforehand, they still don't, you know what I mean, no one's opinion really changed one way or the other, very close to my dad, I have two older brothers that I'm very close to, you know, it's kind of something we, like, joke about now. It's it's not weird. It doesn't, you know, no one's, like, embarrassed of me. You know, we kind of laugh about porn and wiener and everything. Let's talk about slut-shaming and the media. In your opinion, would you say that the media was really hard on you? Or because he had a, a previous scandal that involved the same thing do you feel that the media was harder on him who do you think the media was hardest on in uh, reporting of uh, this scandal that you were involved in i mean i'd say they were hard on both of us of course but in i think in my case they were a little harder on me in my view because you know, they wanted someone to blame, and it somehow was, it's easier to blame the woman in these situations. Oh, of course. It's even not though, uh, Wiener's fault, even though he's right, done it even before. Though he was the one that was married, and I was single, and I was 22 when we started talking, and he was, what, like 50? I don't know, you know? So it was just kind of, 
a little skewed, I think, in the way people were talking about it. You know, people wanted to report it as if I, like, lured him into some situation when we all know he was more than willing to do this with many women before and probably after me, you know? So it's not really fair to portray me as someone who's just, like, waiting for politicians to, like, lure in, you know? It's just not the case. So after this scandal started to die down, you still remained in the public spotlight because you started getting all these different offers to do a whole bunch of different things. And uh, was one of the first things that you did uh, the the adult industry uh, sort of options that ended up happening? Like, what were these options that were being sort of thrown your way post-scandal? Well, I got an offer from Vivid very early on. And in the beginning, I was anti-sex tape, you know, let's be real, it's a porn, it's not a sex tape, you know, but I, in my mind, I just thought, you know, oh, I don't want to upset my dad, or I was thinking more about everyone else's perceptions and feelings more so than my own. So in the beginning, I was like not feeling it. And then Vivid made an offer and said, well, okay, what if you did a nude, like kind of Playboy style photo shoot, you know? And then we filmed that and did like a behind the scenes interview and like film, you know, filming the photo shoot and just everything. So I was like, okay, that, that seems fine. You know, a nude photo shoot, uh, why not? You know, I'm only gonna be 23 once. So um, I said yes to that. It was actually way more comfortable and professional and just easy and fun than I thought it would be. Um, I think my biggest hang-up was I was worried about what I would think of my body and I was actually pleasantly surprised you know I liked all the photos it was very comfortable being nude in front of a crew you know everyone's so professional that it's just not the way that I thought it would be but then again I had no experience with this kind of thing prior so um, once I did that and was comfortable I kind of thought about it a little more and talked to my family and everyone was very supportive. They were kind of like, if it's something you can do and that you would be still happy with yourself and, you know, nothing would change as far as, you know, they just were worried that I would do it and regret it or something of that nature. It's just not the case. So everyone's been supportive, you know, since everyone knows that I've done more than one movie now. So yeah, everyone's really cool about it. Even my 62 year old dad. (laughs) Very nice. Okay. So let's talk about the first production that you did, which is Sydney Leather's Wiener and Me. Yes. Let's talk about how that production came about and how you picked your male co-star, Xander yeah. Corvus, for the role. Um, it was nice. I did get to pick for my first movie. Um, I would say that is not most people's experience in adult. <laughs> so I definitely lucked out. You know what's funny? I actually should go back and look at the emails because I don't even remember the other options. I just remember thinking that Xander looked like someone I had dated previously. I was like, oh, I can work with that. You know, if he reminds me of an ex-boyfriend, sh- shit, I can have sex with him. Like, that's going to be so easy. So that was kind of where my head was at as far as choosing him. All right. And so the first time actually doing hardcore sex on film, what was that experience like for you? Were you excited? Were you nervous, scared, a mixture of all of the above? A mixture of all of the above, for sure. Um, It was really fun. Like in the beginning of the day, we filmed like the skit at the beginning of the movie, which was hilarious. Evan Stone played Bill Clinton, which... 
I like couldn't even handle. He was really good as Bill Clinton. Like he's uh, and Tommy Pistol played one of the many Anthony options, and he was hilarious too. Like it was so much fun just filming the first skit. We had to stop so many times because everyone would just die laughing. Evan's like playing the saxophone. It was great. So it was just like a good start to the day. You know, everyone was comfortable and laughing, and yeah, it was just great. Um, I got more nervous as the day went on because I knew, you know, eventually I'm going to have to suck some cock. <laughs> look at doing it, hopefully. Um, but it really, it was easy and it was fun and it was a small set. Uh, once we got to the actual, like, sex and stuff later in the day, there were just a few people around. So it really wasn't as intimidating as I thought it would be. In your opinion, what's the most awkward thing about having sex in front of the camera? I think this is going to be a weird answer, but this is my pet peeve. No air conditioning, especially when you're shooting in the summer in LA, you know, and it's hot as hell. So yeah, not being able to have the air conditioning running because of sound, because you're already hot because you're fucking, but then like add on the fact that there's no air circulating. So yeah, that, that can be a little gross, I guess. <laughs> Was porn at all something that you had thought about doing in the past? Never. I never thought it was an option. And it wasn't a thing where I was, like, looking down on anyone that did it. I just, you know, lived in the mid in the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere. You know, I never thought, oh, I'm going to go to California and shoot some porn. You know, it just didn't seem, like, realistic. It was not on my radar at all. And also, you know, being interested in politics, I thought... That was kind of my future, so if I ever did anything, you know, even slightly risky, I thought I would be out. So after this title was released, Wiener and Me, obviously it did very well, and a lot of people enjoyed it. What was going on in your mind as far as this production? Were you like, okay, one and done, I'm good, I'm not going to do anything else, you know, I'm fine with Wiener yeah. and Me? I kind of told myself that in the beginning, I guess. Uh, one and done, you know. I remember my makeup artist on the shoot saying something like about what a nice girl I was and how I shouldn't do any more porn. And I thought, well, that's kind of condescending. And don't you do porn makeup all the time? You know, <laughs> like there are a lot of great girls in porn that I know now that probably wouldn't like that statement. But I don't think he meant it in a mean way at all. I think he just maybe was trying to protect me and thought I was kind of sweet and naive because I do have that kind of like Midwestern charm where everyone thinks I'm this sweet little thing, but that, that doesn't mean you can't be a sexual person and enjoy fucking. That's very true. And since then, I would say it probably took about a year since you did any other productions. Is that sort yep, of accurate? Exactly right. Yeah. I, in August of 2013, we shot Wiener and Me, and then the next August, I shot three scenes for Naughty America. Correct. Right I started school. <laughs> well, there you go. And yeah, you were paired up with Ryan Driller in a scene. You were paired up with Brick Danger. And you were paired up with Tyler Nixon. Yes. How did uh, those scenes come about in your connection with Naughty America? Um, Naughty America had reached out to me and I thought it was a great fit. You know, I had seen a lot of their stuff and especially their stills. I thought the girls always looked so beautiful and it, I had heard really good things about people that had worked with them and it just seemed like a really good fit. And especially with the political scandals, I mean, Naughty America, you know, it just seemed kind of too perfect. <laughs> Did you get the chance to pick your male talent in those three scenes? 
Um, I did not hand pick anybody, but I will say I was very happy to be working with Ryan because I had known him from previous porn conventions, the Exoticas and stuff, and he's the nicest, most down-to-earth guy. And it was cool being able to work with somebody I had, you know, spoken with and like hung out with a little bit before. You know, it definitely, uh, it's not that it's hard, you know, if you haven't met them, but it's a little bit more comfortable if you know each other a little bit. So that makes sense, absolutely. Did you have fun doing these three additional scenes? I really did, yeah, I loved shooting for Naughty America. Very cool. Is there anything else in the pipeline? Should we expect some more porn scenes from Sydney Leathers in the near future? Yeah, you should definitely expect some more Sydney Leathers porn, yay! Sounds exciting. Okay, let's talk about what happened recently, like very, very recently, because (laughs) the name Sydney Leathers recently popped up in the news, the mainstream media, once again, and this time... It was for another political scandal, <laughs> which is These funny. Follow me. Yeah, like it's bizarre. And they say they happen in threes, so I'm a little scared. <laughs> oh, no. Politicians, beware. <laughs> so, Hopefully Republican next. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's the funny thing. And, and you know what? Since you mentioned it, I'll mention it right now. I'm sure there are a lot of Democrats out there and liberals that are like, ugh. Sydney Leathers, why does she keep on doing this to the Democrats? I know, especially since I'm a Democrat. You know, I've actually had someone ask me before if I was secretly a Republican operative, which is so <laughs> funny. I-, I thought that was great. Like, yeah, who do you think is paying me? Like, which Republican is Daryl Issa paying me? I would like to know whose payroll I'm supposedly on. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the Koch brothers or something. Seriously, like, I, I would like to know who owes me a big fat check. <laughs> That's too funny. So, okay, so let's dive into what happened recently with you and uh, someone from uh, where you're from in yeah. uh, in Indiana, State Rep Justin Moed. Yeah, so I had tweeted saying I was looking for someone to financially dominate. You know, I never have claimed to be a professional dominatrix. You know, I know there are people who are very dedicated to that lifestyle, and that's the only job they do, and that's great. You know, I never claim to be one of those people. I know those people don't like me because I outed Justin. Fuck you, I don't care. (laughs) Gonna make money however I want to make money, bitches. But, so Justin started uh, to tweet me from an account, but I did not know it was Justin because he went by Bitch Boy. There you go. And this is under your official account, so it's like your name, your picture. He obviously knows who you are, I would assume. Yeah, so Bitch Boy for you starts tweeting at me saying that he wants me to financially dominate him. Um, What I do when someone says something like that, I'll follow them back and basically send them a DM with my PayPal and basically say, PayPal me and then we'll talk. You know, I'm not going to like humiliate you and degrade you if that's what you get off to without you paying me. (laughs) Like if this is a business, you know, so um, I tell him, you know, if you're serious, here's my PayPal information. He tells me a bit about what he's interested in. Um, I don't really think too much of it. You know, he starts to pay me. We have some funny conversations. He wanted me to uh, pretend I was going to wear a big black strap on and bang his asshole and just like all kinds of crazy stuff. He'd say that he wanted to come clean my house and he would pay me for it and all kinds of stuff and that he wanted to uh, be forced uh, into my closet and tied up and then he would watch me and my boyfriend have sex. Just like 
really random shit like that. And if someone's gonna pay me just to like say things, sure, like I'll sign me up, I'll do it. Uh, where he slipped up though, he started buying stuff off my Amazon wish list. And uh, the first couple things came and they had his name on the gift receipt. It would say like a gift from Justin Moed. And I don't really know what made me think this, but I guess just because he had told me, he'd kind of given me some hints, you know? He said things like that he was a lawyer in Indy, and that he had a lot of friends in government and in, you know, like the civic area, and that they were all very miserable with their lives, and felt like he gave me some clues. So I saw his name on the gift receipt. I decide, I'm going to look this guy up on Facebook, just to see if we know anyone in common. We live in the same state, just a few hours away from each other. So I look him up on Facebook, and the only mutual friend we had was someone who was once an Indiana State representative. And I thought, that's a little weird. So I click on his profile pictures. I scroll maybe like two down, and I start seeing campaign signs. Then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, you have got to be kidding yeah. me. Like, there is no way this is happening again. There's no way bitch boy's a politician, right? So I think, I'm going to Google him, right? That'll tell me. So I Google him, and he's a fucking state representative. My head about exploded. I could not believe it, because he had even said stuff in our direct messages about, um, you know, the wiener stuff. So he knew exactly who I was. It was kind of like he was asking for it. And for someone who likes to be humiliated, I think I just gave him, like, the ultimate gift, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... How long after the initial contact did you find out exactly who he was? It didn't take long. Within a couple weeks, I knew who he was. And uh, then it was kind of this internal thing where I was like, do I let him keep paying me or do I out him? You know, how am I going to play this out is kind of what I was thinking. And the more that I thought about it, it was like, this is too funny to not share with everyone. <laughs> like, I just could not help myself. It was too hilarious. You know, maybe if he was paying me a little more, I would have kept my mouth shut. But that just wasn't the case. That's interesting. Okay, so how long from the initial contact did uh, all of this end up coming out? I'm assuming that you leaked the information. I did, yeah. I outed him. No regrets. Don't feel bad about it. Sorry. Think I'm an asshole. That's fine. Uh, I outed him probably like a month, month and a half after uh, we started to talk. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people that are listening to this right now might wonder, did you at all go to him first and uh, say, you know, you know, uh, I'm going to be outing you, you know, you know, are you going to try to do anything to stop it or anything like that? You know, are you going to try to financially compensate and uh, whatever, whatever, so that I don't say anything? Um, I never blackmailed him, no. Although that, you know, is kind of part of the fantasy sometimes with guys that like to be humiliated. So honestly, in my mind, I thought, if I even try to warn this guy, he's going to think I'm, like, trying to be sexy. You know, he's going to think I'm, like, talking dirty to him. So yeah, I never said, like, I know who you are, you know, and I'm going to tell. And I never was like, oh, pay me so I don't tell. Never did either of those things. I just played dumb, honestly. And then it... Uh, the first article came out in the New York Post that didn't name him, but it just said, you know, Sidney Leathers has been sexting with another politician. Uh, and that's when I stopped hearing from him. So, <laughs> Well, there you go. Once all of this came out, this time around, uh, were you surprised by the reaction that the media gave to your involvement in it? 
No, I mean, I didn't really think it was that bad this time. I think they're kind of used to my crazy antics by now. It, di it didn't feel as harsh, I, don't, I would say. And also, I think part of that was Anthony was more of a celebrity in the political arena. You know, he was uh, more well-liked, more people knew who he was, and also he was running for mayor of New York City. You know, that was a big deal. Uh, Justin's just some state rep from Indiana. It was just kind of like a funny story because of who I am more than him. I know that's kind of a pompous thing to say, but like I was kind of the bigger name in the scenario and that was kind of the story was that it was funny that it was me of all people, you know? Yeah, oh no, it's happening again, basically. <laughs> what are some of the dirty things that he would... Uh... I guess, request from you and ask you to say and the scenarios that he wanted to, I guess, role play with you. There were a lot. I mean, he, you talk about Anthony being a pervert. Damn, this guy was worse. <laughs> you know, and I don't really judge when it comes to anyone's sexuality, but I will say um, I wasn't as exposed to some of this stuff as he clearly was. He had told me he'd had a dominatrix before. Um, but he was really into the idea of wearing a French maid costume and being forced to clean my house while I degraded him the whole time and he would pay me for that or he, uh, which that never actually happened, but he, it was just kind of like a fantasy of his and he actually had a French maid outfit that he sent me a picture of. Like, how does a man fit in a woman's French maid outfit? But, um, yeah, he had like a French maid outfit and like a schoolgirl outfit, I believe. Um, and he would talk about my boyfriend a lot, and he admitted to me that he had been with a man before, so I believe he's bisexual. He would say things, you know, that he wanted to watch my boyfriend dominate me, and um, he knew that he was never going to be good enough to fuck me, but he wanted to watch someone else fuck me, and um, just that he uh, has fucked a black guy before, and that he wanted me to... Uh, say that I was going to wear a big black cock strap on and, you know, fuck his asshole, basically. <laughs> All that fun stuff. So he or had a lot of submissive fantasies, a lot of sort of cuckold fantasies, yeah. bisexual fantasies. Yeah, everything he wanted to be the submissive one in every situation. Since his scandal is obviously very different than Anthony Weiner's scandal... I believe that I read somewhere that he's like trying to make a comeback, uh, Justin Moed. Do you feel that his constituents should give him another chance? Do you feel that someone's sort of personal kinks can affect their political life? See, you know, this is where I personally am torn. Um, because on one hand, I feel like a little bit of a libertarian when it comes to sexuality and, you know, politicians are human. No matter how much we want to put them on a pedestal and act like they're above certain scenarios, they're not. We see it time and time again with these scandals. So part of me feels like he's human, you know, haha, ha, let's laugh for a second, but leave him alone. But then part of me is like, wait, he was telling me he was at work when we were DMing. He was telling me that he was trying not to get a boner in a meeting while talking to me. Is this really the kind of person we want in office that can't stop texting me, of all people, like during work hours? It's one thing if you're keeping your kinks at home and, you know, you're doing it on the weekend or at night or whatever. But, you know, if you're a legislator, do you really need to be doing that in your office? I don't know. I found that to be a little off-putting. Very interesting. Okay, so Justin versus Anthony. 
Anthony obviously had bigger issues because there was a lot of lying and the cover-up. Justin handled the situation very differently, would you say? Yeah, I mean, he, unlike Anthony, wasn't like, oh, I've been set up, you know, I was hacked or whatever. He kind of owned it immediately, which you can say was stupid or smart, just depends on how you look at it, you know, but he admitted it and was just kind of like, as far as I know, everything she said was factual, so... Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, he didn't resign either, so that took some balls to, you know, stay in office. But I, I don't think he'll be reelected. In a state like Indiana, it's conservative enough that something like this is going to come back around, and you know there's going to be some weird campaign ad, <laughs> you know, about all of this. It's very true. So, uh, as you mentioned, this usually happens in threes, so should politicians beware? Oh, of course. I, I think even if it happens a third time, they should still fear me. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Okay, let's talk about live appearances, because ever since Wiener and me, you've been doing a lot of live appearances, especially at conventions, promoting not just Wiener and me, but some of the other scenes that you've done, and just your involvement in the adult industry. What's it like as someone who had no porn aspirations to suddenly be thrust into this world of erotica and doing these live appearances and meeting the fans and getting the chance to chat with uh, porn connoisseurs? You know, I love it so much more than I ever thought I would. I really do. Um, it's been such a good experience going to all the Exotica conventions. I've met so many great people, from people that work the conventions to, um, you know, the girls signing. Everyone has been amazing to me. I've made a lot of connections. I've done some good networking. Um, I've really had a great experience in adult. I, I know there are a lot of negative, you know, stereotypes, but the girls that I've met, you know, nine out of ten of them are smart, they're funny, they're business-minded, they're obviously beautiful, but those things come first. Like, they are really smart women. You know, they know what they're doing, and they know how to sell themselves, and I, I just think um, I'm impressed by them. I really am, and a lot more of them are college-educated, you know, bright women than people are willing to give them credit for, and I think that's a shame, you know, and people like Joanna Angel, who is obviously very business-minded, you know, starting and running Burning Angel, Angel. I just am very impressed by women that kind of make their own thing. As someone who had no porn aspirations, were you at all surprised as to the power that women have in the industry? And I'm not just talking about, you know, being sexually powerful and getting uh, more money than the men in scenes and, and things like that. But I mean, as far as being behind the scenes and directing and owning their own companies, because I feel like a lot of uh, people that aren't really that into porn sort of see it via the stereotypes that people give about porn performers. Right. I mean, I didn't know anything about porn prior to coming in, so I kind of just assumed it was a boys club, you know. Then my first movie, a woman actually shot it, Kimberly Kane, and she was amazing, and she was so sweet to me and helped me pick out lingerie for the movie and, you know, gave me some advice, you know, knowing that I had never done this before. So it's nice to have women around and to shoot with women or for women. I think that is a comfortable experience, especially when you're just starting out. Um, yeah, I'm very impressed with the women in porn, and I, I think it's awesome. What other industry can you think of where the women dominate to the point where they're consistently making more money than the men? You know, I just can't think of any other industry. 
As far as your live appearances at the Exoticas, have you ever run into someone that, uh, let's just put it nicely, wasn't a fan? Um, you know, I'll have some guy come up here and there and maybe be a little bit of an asshole or a little bit too aggressive, but overall, people are really cool and nice to me. Um, and performers, too. The only performers who have ever been even a tiny bit rude to me, it's only been over social media. It's not anyone that's ever met me. You know, I think it's easy to have a negative um, idea about someone who's been in the press just because you think you know them because they're in the press, you know? So I think it was easy for people to just assume I was some dumb bimbo. But for the people that have actually met me and have been around me, they know that I'm a sweet person, that I'm a smart person. So... Um, I've been treated very well. I'm, I'm very happy with being an adult, honestly. Very cool. You were thrust into this world of erotica. I'm kind of curious to ask, have you enjoyed showing off your sexuality on film? I really have. You know, I feel like a lot of times as women, especially when you're younger, you don't feel in control of your sexuality. And um, I know for me specifically, I was too kind of shy to even tell a guy what I liked. I didn't even really know what I liked, you know, I didn't really know my body. So it's been a good experience for me kind of learning what I'm into, what I'm not into, you know. Um, it's just not something, it's hard to explain without doing it. I really, it sounds so corny, but I've gotten a lot out of porn. Um, I feel better about my body because of it. I'm happier with my body and more comfortable with myself. I feel more free sexually and comfortable. It's been a, a really great thing for me in a lot of different ways. So we've seen you in Wiener and Me. We've seen you in the three scenes for Naughty America. What can we expect from you sex-wise in the future in the industry? Like, what do you want to try out on film that uh, would surprise maybe the fans and the listeners tuning in? You know, I'm hoping, really hoping, um, that I will be able to do my first anal scene. I have actually, because I actually, this is will surprise people, I've had a little practice with some butt plugs, but I'm actually an anal virgin. <laughs> so I think it would be really cool and really hot to have my first time doing anal on camera. Like, I would like to be able to watch that back. <laughs> Very nice. That's will like we be fun. seeing any maybe interracial work? in the future it's possible anything is possible right <laughs> especially after all the talk about the uh, big black cock right <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll be wearing the big black cock giving it to some guy you never know <laughs> well, there you go and i'm i'm going to guess maybe potentially that there could be a sequel in the works to wiener and me maybe called uh, moed and me god i hope so <laughs> or maybe bitch boy and me Right, and I've even thought, you know, how funny would it be to have a scene like with me and a Hillary or something for the upcoming election? Now that would <laughs> I, be classic. I, Nina Hartley has played Hillary before, and I love Nina, so give me some Nina, somebody. Make exactly. It Unfortunately, uh, Lisa Ann retired, but could you have imagined no. Sydney Leathers and uh, nope. no Nail and Palin? Nope. Uh -uh. Oh. Nope, nope. Would never touch her with a 10-foot pole. Nope. None of that for me. Uh, she was actually the first person to ever say anything even slightly rude about me that was in the industry. So yeah, I think she's kind of a terrible person, and I don't feel bad about saying that. Uh, she's not even well-liked in the industry. Everyone knows she's kind of a horrible bitch. 
Well, there you go. I don't hold back. I love that you don't hold back. My whole problem with her is, first of all, she's never met me, so who are you to talk? And she goes on some podcast. This is when I was really in the press. So she was one of those people who was trying to attach herself to me to get some press, you know, which I get it, girl, get your press. But here's what she did that offended me, and I am not easily offended. So there was a moratorium after my first movie. And this is during the moratorium. I believe the moratorium had just started and everyone's kind of freaking out and in that panic mode. For those that are listening that don't know, a porn moratorium is whenever a test, a performer tests HIV positive, they basically put a halt in production. So there's no production for a certain amount of time until, uh, you know, people that either worked with the performer or people that worked with people that worked with uh, said performer, which we'll call like patient X, get right. tested and they make sure that everyone that has worked with patient X is okay. Exactly. And it's great. It's a great system. It keeps people safe. That's wonderful. What I don't like is during a moratorium when people will lash out at each other irrationally. So during the moratorium, she decides to go on this podcast and Xander, the guy I had worked with, had worked with the girl, Patient X, we'll call her. So of course I was freaked out. My first porn movie and there's a moratorium after. It wasn't even something I had considered happening. So she goes on this podcast and says something to the effect of, well, if she gets AIDS or HIV, she deserves that. You know, something very like wow. and stupid, even if it's a joke. I'm a new girl in the industry, like have some empathy. I'm sure she's been through like 600 moratoriums because she's 800 years old. So, you know, I know she's been through it and I know she's probably been worried before because she's done a million scenes, you know, and I'm not even the type to bash any woman, let alone a woman in the industry. I, I'm very welcoming. Everyone's been so nice to me except her. So if you ask me about anyone else, I would be all sunshine and rainbows, but that old hag really pissed me off. And I'm not a girl to piss off because I have a big mouth. <laughs> and this is why I love Sydney Leathers. <laughs> I have a feeling she's not going to like the things I'm saying, but guess who doesn't care? This girl. <laughs> there you go. Okay, well, I'm curious to ask. The last time, was it the last time or was it the, the first time that you were at Exotica, South Florida? Lisa Ann was there. Did you at all cross paths with Lisa Ann? Because she um, was at she was at Exotica South Florida when I, you were I, there. I saw some old women, but okay. I, doesn't, I wasn't really <laughs> sure who was Lisa. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't pick the hag out of a lineup. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I that answer. Up. <laughs> no, I've never met her in person. You know, maybe she's lovely, but I'm sure she's not. <laughs> And there's that. <laughs> so you uh, you lit a firecracker the day that she announced her retirement. I did, yeah. I I you know I saw too. Um, you know she was kind of beefing with Nikki Benz a while back, and all hail Nikki Benz. Like I have the biggest girl crush on her. She's such a babe. I think she's one of the most beautiful women in porn. I always have. So I kind of see that they're beefing back and forth, and. I tweeted Nikki and was just kind of like, yeah, Lisa's the only female in porn that has ever given me any shit. You know, she's a bitch. And then I start getting flooded with tweets, not people defending her, like multiple people 
people in the industry or just fans, both, saying, I've met her, she's horrible, I've worked with her, she's horrible, I tried to get an autograph from her and she was mean to me, <laughs> like, people were just, like, inundating my feed with just awful stories about her, so it was pretty funny. That's too funny. Okay, moving away from Lisa Ann, I want to have some pillow talk with Sydney Leathers, and I want to talk a bit more candidly about sex and sexuality, and what I want to focus on is relationships, because obviously your name has been in the media for the past couple of years, and you have been now associated with the adult industry with the work that you've done, so I'm kind of curious to ask, is it at all difficult to try to attempt to be in a romantic relationship while working in the adult industry and, and while being sort of one of the most uh, well-known women, at least in recent times, in being involved in political scandals? Um, it just depends. You know, I've definitely had some really bad experiences, you know, since I've been in the press trying to date. I remember one time I was seeing this guy and TMZ had caught us someplace, but and he was so excited about that. But I was at a comedy event uh, the next day, I believe, or two days later with like Michael Lohan and my manager and just like a few kind of D-list people, you know, Lohan and his wife or whoever. So um, that ended up being on the TMZ TV show, but not me and the guy I was seeing. The guy flipped out on me as if I have any control or even care about that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> like it was just really bizarre and it was pretty apparent to me that he was not seeing me because he wanted to see me he was seeing me because he wanted to be seen with me so yeah. uh, we're pretty good at you know spotting those kinds of people really fast you know and that's the only experience I've had with any guy that kind of treated me that way he would also like uh, talk shit about me doing porn and then try to say that he wanted me to get him a job in porn so that also was confusing <laughs> But uh, since then, I actually, I have a boyfriend now, and we've been dating for almost a year, and we live together. Um, he's Congratulations. Very, thank you, and he's You're very welcome. cool with me shooting, so um, I'm sure he doesn't want me to be doing grandma porn in 40 years or whatever, but for now, it's something that's fine. You know, I reassure him a little bit before I go shoot anything, and um, we're open and honest to a point. You know, I'll tell him I'm shooting X amount of scenes. I'll tell him who I'm shooting with whenever I find that information out. But when I get home, I'm not giving him any explicit details. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, he came in my mouth. You know, like he doesn't want to hear that. He also doesn't watch my scenes. I think that's very helpful. Um, I, you know, it's fine for us to be sexual together, but I don't really want him to see me being sexual with another guy, specifically if it's a scene I've shot since we've been dating, you know. You mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, post porn that you have developed an appreciation to your body so I'm kind of curious to ask you in your opinion what part of your body is the sexiest and why you know I think it kind of I, depends on my mood what I'd say I like my lips a lot I love my boobs I'm really happy I got my boobs done um, yeah I don't know I kind of like everything I'm starting to become very fond of Sydney Leathers <laughs> that's good to hear and on the flip side of that in your opinion what part of the male body is the sexiest and why um, I like a guy with a nice smile um, I know that's kind of a cheesy answer but I, li I really do like nice teeth um, nice eyes are good and of course a huge cock <laughs> There you go. Well, speaking of huge cocks, I gotta ask you at least something dirty, since uh, you know you 
are part of the adult industry, who has packed the biggest inches that you've taken on in a scene? You've done oh. only a couple of scenes, yeah. but you've been with a variety of male performers. So who's been the biggest? So I'm just going to say it. Ryan Driller, for sure. I hope my boyfriend's not listening. But seriously, like, I came so hard I thought I was, like, going to cry. Like, I have never had orgasms <laughs> like that in my life. I was like, what did he just do to me? <laughs> I was like, am I broken? Like, I can't stop coming. <laughs> That's too funny. It was, like, the best sex. Yeah. Please, God, let us do a scene together soon. <laughs> Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about Sydney Leathers that would maybe oh, surprise love, the listeners. Yeah, I, I think just how nerdy I am. You know, I'm a huge homebody. I'm a cat lady. I stay at home with my two cats most of the time. I love to read. I love to write. Um, I would rather sit at home and watch political news than go out and drink. I'm not really much of a partier. So I'm more boring than you would expect. Very interesting. What's your political uh, cable channel of choice? Oh, that's where it gets tricky because I feel like CNN is kind of dumbed down news and Fox is so right wing and MSNBC is so left wing. You know, I before my scandal, I all I did was watch MSNBC all day, every day. And, uh, you know, honestly, Liberal media was not very nice to me. The conservative media was much more welcoming. You know, and I realized that's because I brought down a Democrat in their minds. So it's left me a little torn. You know, I, I, I'm still a Democrat at heart, but I know they hate me. <laughs> so it complicates matters. Well, I think if you at least take down a Republican the next time, maybe you'll be more embraced. I hope so. I, I just <laughs> want to go for one of the big ones. Give me John Boehner's head on a platter. <laughs> There you go. Well, you'll know who it is because uh, the dick pic will be orange. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Spray tan for days. Exactly. Describe yourself in ten words or less. Oh, ten words or less. Jesus. Um, I would say I'm introverted. I am intelligent. Um, empathetic, definitely. Um, driven. Ambitious. I guess those are kind of the same, but <laughs> synonymous. Um, those are definitely synonymous. Yeah, I, I'd say that kind of covers it. Those are the biggest ones. Very nice. So as we start wrapping things up, I have this list of five questions that are designed to allow listeners and your fans and supporters to get to know some of your favorites. They're kind of pop culture oriented. And the first cool. one is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? Ooh, I'm a big TV junkie. I like TV, so... Like, ever or currently on the air? It's up to you if you want to do all time or current. Okay, let's just say all time. I loved Nip Tuck a lot. Um, I like anything that's a little soap opera-ish, and it definitely had that. And I felt like the surgery scenes were really kind of real. And uh, there's a lot of sex, for sure. It was a sexy, sexy show. Um, I love Veep. Veep on HBO, which uh, I believe it's in the is it the third or fourth season right now. That is so funny. Julia Louise Dreyfus is currently the president in that show, and it's hilarious. Uh, I think especially for anyone who's into politics, it's kind of one of those must see comedies. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've seen every episode of Veep. Love that show. Um, trying to think of things on my Netflix list, you know. <laughs> um, Game of Thrones. I definitely watch Game of Thrones. I'm pretty nerdy like that. I've been making my boyfriend watch it with me. <laughs> um, what else? 
Oh, this is embarrassing. Don't judge me, but I'm really into the Real Housewives too. That's that's kind of humiliating, but I watch all of the Real Housewives. I've actually met some of the New York Housewives, so um, I've been really into that this season. I think I have one more, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, favorite ever. It's so tough. I'm gonna pick a political show. I like Chris Matthews. He could be a little bit of a suck ass to Democrats, and I don't like that. No, wait, fuck Chris Matthews, Bill Maher, real time with Bill Maher all day. <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm forgetting something that I really like. What am I forgetting? Out of the Real Housewives, what's your favorite franchise? New York right now. Uh, this season for New York has been really interesting, and I've met the most people from there, so it's kind of interesting to see how they interact together. Next question in this pop culture oriented fivesome who are four of your all-time favorite music artists Ooh, music artists i love lana del rey i have a big girl crush on her and i'm actually seeing her next month so i'm pretty excited about that um I'm, i love blink 182 uh i still kind of listen to some of the same music i listened to in like middle school and i was really into blink 182 then i still love blink 182 i think travis barker is so hot seriously if i didn't have a boyfriend i would be chasing his ass <laughs> um always been into nirvana too uh i i like grunge a lot and uh death cab is another band that i'm really into what are three of your most favorite films Favorite films? Are these porn movies or non-porn movies? Non-porn movies. <laughs> Damn, I was going to say Wiener and Mean. <laughs> well, you can. Why not? It is a film. Wiener and Mean is number one. Um, okay, The Wizard of Oz has been my favorite movie since I was a little girl, and I'm still kind of stuck on it. It's just a classic. And then if I had to pick one more, this is a really random one, The Weatherman with Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's a little dark, too, and I think especially because I'm going to school for, you know, broadcasting and production, that aspect of it kind of makes me laugh, because he obviously is in the TV business in that movie. What are two foods you can't live without? Um, I'm really, like, OCD and weird with food, so I kind of go in, like, phases where I like something a lot, and then I get burnt out on it and move on to the next thing. Like, I was really into hummus for a second, and now I'm burnt out on hummus. <laughs> so I don't know that there's really any food I can't live without. I guess, like, Caesar salad, that's, like, an easy go-to. Uh, and raspberry yogurt is, like, my favorite thing in the world. Not bad. So before I let you go, I do need to talk to you about what's going on in the political lexicon right now. What are your opinions on Hillary and uh, the opponents that have been popping up thus far on the Republican side. I am disappointed. I mean, I really am. I hope someone will challenge Hillary that actually has a shot at beating her in the primary, but I don't know who that would be. You know, I think everyone has kind of given up and just said, oh, Hillary's going to win the primary and get the nomination. That will probably be the case, but it bums me out a little, especially because of how close she is with Wiener and Huma and that whole situation just really creeps me out and feels a little incestuous and bizarre um so yeah but there's no one on the republican side like who am i gonna vote for someone like Rand paul who doesn't believe in abortion even if you've been raped like <laughs> as a woman i can never vote for someone that's like hey you know what you should do have your rapist baby <laughs> like, that's just not something that's ever going to happen so 
I'm probably going to have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary, but it's not something I'm excited about the way I was excited to vote for Barack Obama. What's next for Sydney Leathers? What can the listeners and your fans and supporters that are tuning in right now expect from you in the near future, in the coming months? I'm definitely hoping to do some more scenes. Um, I have a year left of school, so I'm definitely planning on shooting my last year of school. Um, I, I love school, though. I'm, I'm happy to be doing that. I'm kind of ready to get out as well, but it's a it mixed bag. Um, I'm hoping to move to L.A. once I'm done with school, and then I would love to get a job in radio or television production. Like, that is my end-all, be-all. Like, that's what I want to do with my life. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can produce a really great radio or television show. That, that's kind of where my head's at now. I like the sound of that. You can do it. Thank you. I think so, too. Yeah. It's funny, too. I I get that I have a bad reputation, but I've made so many connections through media that I actually think that it will benefit me, you know, the way my name is out there. So I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed. I agree. In my opinion, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. I I totally agree. The way the media is now and with the internet being the way it is and social media, yeah, I think all press is good press. Yeah, and especially nowadays the public's forgiveness and forgetfulness is much more apparent than in the past. I mean, we have such a fast media where, you know, there's some other scandal or some other big news topic 15 minutes later, you know, an hour later, and all of a sudden, you know, people aren't that, uh, you know, as, uh, as I don't know what you would call it, as angry or as uh, concerned uh, as they were, you know, just a couple moments ago. Yeah, you're totally right. Uh, things in the press are kind of fleeting, and you know, our, with the way the 24-hour media is set up, you know, there's new news all the time. So yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping I'll be fine. I think I will be. I mean, look at Monica. She's doing these TED talks now, and she had that big article in Vanity Fair. So if she can make a comeback after everything she's been through, I think I'm going to be okay. There you go. So how can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, all of the goodies? Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is at SydneyElaineXO, and my Instagram is Sydney underscore Leathers. And then obviously my movie, Wiener and Me, is on VividCeleb.com. Absolutely. Fantastic. So this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters out there? Um, it's one of those things I honestly, I never even say the word fans because it kind of shocks me. You know, I feel like such a normal person that it actually surprises me to like remember, oh, like people pay to take pictures with me and buy stuff from me, but it's really cool. Um, if anything, I would just say like, thank you so much for, you know, being supportive and awesome and I'll keep trying to do the same. (laughs) Awesome. So certainly Sydney, I have to thank you so much for this interview. Yeah, no problem. It was great to be able to be interviewed by you again. Fantastic. And I just want to let you know the door's open for more. I would certainly love to have you back on whenever you start doing some more scenes again so we can chat about that. And I'm sure there'll be some great stuff that happens in the political arena that we can talk about as well. Gonna try to trap me a Republican. (laughs) There you go. You just got to set the right trap. You know what I'm saying? You know, start talking about abortions. and then to pose as a little boy. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) 
And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning in to In Bed with Poppy Chulo. Tune in for brand new episodes of In Bed with Poppy Chulo every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting poppychuloradio.com forward slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Poppy Chulo Radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. Sydney Leathers and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Good night, listeners. Thanks for listening to In Bed with Bobby Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular female performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.